have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. I'm Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of this star craving mad Glenn Stansberry. <laughs> yep, that's me. Glenn's uh, gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Gone cuckoo for March Madness, Brian. Well, that's what I was getting at, actually. <laughs> oh, man, I saw your thunder. That's you, uh... You're crazy over March Madness. It's the, the most wonderful two days of the year, Brian. Until my team loses, and then March can just, you know. Well, there's always next March. There's a, there's always next March. That's right. I think I'm just going to quit everything <laughs> if that happens. Reset. And do nothing for hmm. the next eight months. That's, that's kind of what Ten I months, 20, 20 months um, until the next March comes around. It's funny. You were asking me the other day. Who was the national champion last year? Mm-hmm. And I could remember, um, basically because when my, when when KU loses, I stop caring. You mean every time? Every every time, but every you know, time in the last hundred years, except for three times. Okay, we're we gonna play this game. No. <laughs> so, well, well, hang on, hundred years. We have a lot more championships than three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yep. You know how um, you see uh, Central Florida? Mm-hmm. They went undefeated, and mm-hmm. uh, they didn't get to play in the national championship game mm-hmm. because Alabama did, and right. they won right the national championship. Mm-hmm. Central Florida put a banner up that mm-hmm. said that they were national champions. Does that sound familiar? Wait, wait, anything? Hang, but, but no, hang on. You? A game was actually played. So Brian, what Brian's referring to for those. Not in the know. Is that KU? We're probably going to cut this segment, I hope. KU. I can't believe I have to explain this. KU has the statue of the man who invented basketball. What does that have to do with... Well, I'm uh, getting there, Brian. Okay. Now, okay, so we had a basketball program long before the NCAA was, you know, a fully recognized uh, entity, wonderful ent- entity that it is now. The NCAA was, was around before this... They've been around for more than 100 years, I believe. It's 2000. 1906. 1906. So the the thing, the banners. So what was your point? The banners that you have? My point, point, Brian, is that my point is that there was not a championship. uh, There was not a bracket like we have now. There's not a championship, a recognized championship that we have now. There was... Right, there is no recognized okay. champion. There's the Helms Championship, which is what there Fate was back then. Okay, well, Fate anyway. Championship. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, whatever, whatever pads your totals there. Right? <laughs> 
Uh, speaking of padding your totals, uh, Glenn and I are co-founders of a site called Gentleman.com. Gentleman.com has not won any Helms national championships. Hasn't won any national championships. Hasn't won any national championships. That sounds familiar to me. Um, <laughs> Let me look up K-State here. Hold on one second here. Uh, what we lack in championships, we make up for in heart. That's right. Uh, Play and, hard chart. And that's exactly uh, what Gentleman.com is. It's a site chock full of heart. Um, not very much head. Nope. Uh, mostly heart. And uh, if that's something that sounds interesting to you, and I know it does, uh, you should hop on over to <laughs> Gentleman.com, look around, click some things, uh, and hey, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy March, the month of March on Gentleman.com. Uh, and once you've done that, you'll probably get like, I don't know, a weekend to gentleman.com and you're thinking, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this. There's got to be more gentleman material that I could possibly get my hands on. And you're lucky because there is. Uh, you can go to podcast.gentleman.com where you can follow along th- uh, with links from this episode. You can check out some previous episodes. You can listen to 131 previous episodes of the Gentleman Podcast. And once you've done that, you're going to want to get in touch with this because now your mind has been completely... Uh, put in another stratosphere mm. by gentleman.com and i understand i get it i get it it's it's hard to comprehend you're gonna have questions uh the good thing for you is that you can reach out and touch me and glenn uh by sending a letter <clears throat> to p.o box 442-305 lawrence kansas 66044 uh we will get your letter we will talk about it we'll discuss it we'll pace around the room we will examine it closely uh, and then we'll talk about it on General Podcast and put it up on the Hall Slash Wall of Fame, which we know is the Wall of Fame. And once we've done that, once uh, that has taken place, we will probably also send you back something in return. Do you have, you know, enough socks? Have you seen Silence of the Lambs? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like dead skin. <laughs> what is that? An envelope there. Oh, it's from Gentleman. Oh, okay. Um... <laughs> So, don't be afraid. We wouldn't do anything like that. No, probably not. Anyway, mm. uh, if you if you, but if you can't, if that scares you a little bit, and you don't want to send us a letter with your return address on it, that I get that. Right, mm-hmm. that might be a step too far for you at this point, um, especially after I told you that. Then that's fine. That's fine. Guess what? You're in good. You're in luck because uh, it is just as easy. Although not as cool for you to get in touch with the Gentleman Podcast by sending us an email at howdyatgentleman.com. You can also go over to one of the fancy popular social networks like uh, Tinder, Snapchat. Um, actually, I think it's Snapchat with the imposter. Snapchat what? Does Snapchat have the Gentleman Imposter? Yes, yeah. yes. Don't, don't, uh, if you have a Snapchat account, don't go or, to Gentleman. Or if you do, uh, it's Gentleman Official. Yeah, we posted nothing there. There's a gentleman imposter out there. I just like the fact that we had to use gentleman official somewhere. You know, like a verified account that hasn't been verified. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But you could also go to things like Twitter and Facebook, but they're kind of played out, you know? They're dead to us. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, Glenn. Not on Twitter. Yeah. Still hanging on. Barely. Barely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, personal usage, yes. For anyway, yeah. Let's. If you're trying to decide between funding <laughs> Twitter or funding gentlemen, which stock should I buy today? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Our IPO is going to be way huger, yep. and uh, our ICO is going to be awesome. And speaking of ICOs, um, Glenn, it's time to get into the media episode. It was the drink of the week this week. 
Brian, I, it was my turn to pick up the beer, and um, I'd had this beer, actually. My wife picked up a sampler pack uh, a couple weeks ago, and I told her I was in the mood for some darker beers, some stouts, some porters, and so she just got some random ones. And um, Zipline Brewery has a oatmeal porter, not an oatmeal stout. I've had a lot of oatmeal stouts. I've never had an oatmeal porter. And initially, I was a little bit, you know, eh, I don't want to really, I don't really want to try this beer but i tried it and i liked it but i'm cautiously optimistic because the mustache twist scale um our proprietary uh ai machine learning um bitcoin yeah uh cryptocurrency based uh rating algorithm yeah blockchain algorithm um for rating beers is brutal uh and so i would like to put it through the official paces of the machine to get a full reading. I liked it at the time. Um, so that's why I picked it out. So here are some... here The facts are these about the beer. The alcohol is 6%. It's uh, 36 IBUs. So a little bit higher, but, you know, it's a stouter, kind of heavier beer. So, you know, you can get away with it a little bit. And the description is this from the website. Um, All the dark chocolate and coffee notes you expect from a porter with locally sourced rolled oats... <laughs> Delivering an uncommonly silky smooth finish. Locally sourced rolled oats, Brian. Uh, now, another factoid about this brewery. It's based out of Lincoln, Nebraska, which is mm. unequivocally Brian's favorite place in the Midwest. Uh, <laughs> so. Oh, no. Now, see, I can uh. see right now. I'm looking in Brian's eyes, <laughs> and I can tell that he's already forming a preconceived notion of what this beer is going to taste like. Which is good because it won't matter because the mustache twist scale levels the playing field. It's, it does. It levels the ground. It really does. It's very impartial. Very <laughs> highly impartial. <laughs> I don't know if it's that impartial. So, anyway, um, the oatmeal porter. Uh, I guess we. I think we should probably have gotten glasses beforehand, but we didn't. Oh, it's probably fine, but. Is it better with glasses? Eh. I mean, I had glasses, so I don't know. I guess we should probably get glasses then. Okay. Cool. Okay, we're uh, we're back. We're back. We got glasses. We we finally got glasses. We're Uh, good to go. Yeah, so let me pour this this down here. Brian, while you're pouring that, I I neglected to bring up something that's very important. It's a key component to our our mustache twist scale, and that is price. Oh. Oh, yeah. Right in the microphone there. Uh, the price of this beer is, I'm not sure, because I bought four individually packed beers because they didn't have a six pack, but the individuals were about $150 a piece. So that's $9 for a six pack, which mm-hmm. makes me believe it's about $850. Yeah. So right around, the, right around the average price for beer. Okay, I thought you were going to say, you know, $12. Like a $12. <laughs> no, no, it's not, Brian. So the oatmeal porter. Cheers. Cheers. Tastes like a bad town or something. <laughs> like a gritty, dirty, I'm really, uh, crappy town. I'm really getting a lot of uh, locally sourced oats on the finish. Mm. So I actually really like this beer. I actually do too. I, I, I'm, I'm turning off my animosity for that <laughs> You don't town. want to. I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to. I'm not going to. Mm. Uh, 
But anyway, Glenn, I'm going to move past that. And I, I'm liking this beer. I like it a lot. It's a tasty brew. It is. Um, I, uh, I always get a little nervous when people start talking about how it tastes like chocolate and yeah. coffee. It's um, tough. It's got to be the right balance of stuff. And I really feel like that this is a really well-balanced... I was really surprised because I'd seen this... I'd had a couple Zipline beers before, and they just weren't any good. Mm. Uh, much like the town. Right, Brian? Yeah. Am I right here? And uh, uh, apologies to anybody living in Lincoln. It's a beautiful place. <clears throat> but... <laughs> um, uh, but but yeah, so I was when when Lynn handed me this one, I was like, ugh, all right. Yeah. Poured, I was like, oh well. Sh-. So my expectations were really low. Yeah. going into it. So, um, well, so that you smart move, yeah, that chess move you played on me by saying it's from Lincoln, Nebraska. All right, and yeah. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, okay, Glenn. Well, uh, if so, all that being said, if you had to uh, put a rating on this particular uh, beer, what what would you uh, what would you put a rating as? I think I would give this an 8.3. I was going to get an 8.4. Yeah. I think it's pretty good. I'm surprised yeah. it has 36 IBUs because you just don't really taste that. No. It's think- strange. Sometimes those like IBUs, it seems like the they get lost in some other kind of flavor or something. And you don't I, th- I think it depends on the type of hops. That's true. Because um, yeah. like, uh, so for example, Cascade hops have like a real like grapefruity taste to it so if they yeah. use those in here we would definitely be tasting the i remember when we were talking about that at our sommelier class that we were teaching yes yes the beer sommelier class right yeah by the way if you want to join our beer sommelier class with brian and i it's only uh a lovely it's a lovely evening 4.99.99 yeah. <laughs> uh but pairings will be served yeah with... <laughs> there'll be some cheese from the local delicatessen known as kroger um yeah. and uh we'll we'll there's a I think last last session we had, we pulled out a, a rare Anheuser Busch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a German beer. Augustus Busch beer. Cold filtered lager. Yeah, well, it was a roaring success, too. Mm. I mean, it was sold out uh, yep. for months before mm-hmm. it took place. What was there, like 600, 700 people there? Yeah. Woo. Yeah. That was tough. I had one of those wireless microphones pacing yeah, the, around the, there. The countryman, you know? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was hard counting all that money. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know a lot of that goes back into the product yeah right right you have to kind of if you you got to spend money to make money especially on the end hoisters yeah well that's not a cheap beer no tell you something like that. Uh, uh so anyway okay glenn well let me once you what, tell me the facts again about this beer and i'm gonna type them into the mts computer and then we'll have an empirical uh infallible mustache with scale rating for this beer right alcohol is six percent okay 36 ibus 36 36 okay and and i and i'm pretty confident that the price is around 850 okay around 850 for six pack okay so so we got 6 percent, 36 ibus 850 mm-hmm. and it's a uh oatmeal porter and with rolled oats locally sourced locally sourced locally so, sourced these are lincoln these are lo- <laughs> these are lincoln notes locally right sourced. Here. <laughs> okay uh well, let me go i, I can tell the mustache <laughs> scale computer has worked magic is done the, the block choi- blockchain the block choy but has, <laughs> has done its thing uh, i'm just gonna go get the nts computer print off and then oh and then we'll know mm. of the uh the empirical mustache scale computer all right <laughs> <clears throat> okay okay so uh interestingly i you know i got over there and this was a surprisingly short report i'm, hmm. I'm wondering if there's just really not too much uh, not too much to this town that this 
<laughs> a lot of times there's a lot of history, you know, places. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know. Anyway, the mustache twist scale <laughs> says right here, empirically, infallibly, absolutely, scientifically, provably correct. Mm. <laughs> Provically. Provically. <laughs> it's an 8.35 Whoa. on the NTS scale. So, wow. You know, not too bad. Not too bad. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I, feel, I feel like it's a pretty good score. Uh, but one thing that we do have to do is uh, check over our friends uh, at beersnob.com. Right. Uh, our good buddies over at beersnob.com that we like to throw a bone to every now and again. They, they rate beers as well, though not as successfully as we do. Um, they're, they, they came in at a... <laughs> Oh, a 7.76. Yes, yes. They came in yes. at a 7.76. Hmm. Pretty so, low. Pretty, pretty low, pretty low. Uh, you know, maybe they had it on location, location, you know, and yeah. they're in the town of Lincoln, and they're like, uh. Yeah, we got to get out of here. This beer uh, sucks. Let's just take it to go. Yeah. Uh, we have to get to our wine tasting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so 7.76, a little bit low, but that's fine. That's fine. Uh, visit our friends over at beersnob.com. Okay, Glenn, let's move on to some interesting posts from gentleman.com in the last two weeks or so. Uh, and this uh, this is a little article that our good friend and constant North Star of content mm. on gentleman.com posted to gentleman.com. Uh, our good friend Zombie Cat Bacon uh, posted this uh, site. Uh, this this link, uh, and it's called Facts About Extreme Ironing. And this is from none other than the fact site. Yeah. Which everybody knows is completely factual information. Yeah. And uh, in fact, according to the fact site, uh, extreme ironing is a sport that combines the danger and excitement of an extreme sport with the satisfaction of a well-pressed shirt. Mm. It involves taking an iron... And a board to remote locations and ironing a few items of laundry. <laughs> this can involve ironing on a mountainside, preferably a difficult climb, or taking an iron skiing, scooting. <laughs> it says scooting. What is scooting? I don't know. Skiing, scooting, or canoeing. Wow. Uh, I had no idea this existed, but apparently it's been around for roughly 12 years, Glenn. Well, Brian, it started in... Uh, Leicester, England, in 1997. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. As a lot of good things have. Mm-hmm. And here's some of the notable uh, things that uh, extreme ironing uh, folk have done. Uh, this article, by the way, on the, on the fact site, is sadly a little dated. Mm. Uh, it doesn't have the most up-to-date extreme ironing information. Facts, yeah. Right. Okay. They need more facts. This is the fact site. So I'm here to add, add to that fact uh, site. And... It turns out um, there's been a, there's been a lot happening since then. Uh, in 2011, there was a Dutch diving club uh, in the Netherlands that set uh, the world extreme underwater ironing record with 173 divers um, ironing in an indoor pool underwater. It must have been a, a large size pool because that's a lot of people to be underwater at one time. Yes, and there's one other um, that. I think it really takes the cake here. In 2012, the Extreme Ironing founder, Steam, I'm guessing that's his Steam. I'm guessing that's his uh, yeah. stage name. Yeah. Steam came out of retirement of Extreme Steam. Ironing to take on a new challenge. And this one just kind of blows all the other ones away. He ran the Hastings Half Marathon wearing an ironing board and pressing garments as he ran. Wow. That is 
That's pretty good. 13.1 miles. Everyone knows you don't mess with steam. No. <laughs> yeah, there's there's just You don't just yeah, nope. you don't mess around with steam, isn't that how the lyrics go to that song? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um and apparently Extreme Ironing was inspired according to this Wikipedia. There's a little site called Wikipedia. Which I've been getting some, some more information from there recently. Uh, I don't know if you can trust it, but apparently Extreme Ironing was inspired by the extreme activity extreme cello plane. Hmm. So a much more notable yeah, uh, kind of famous yeah. sport that I everybody's heard of. Yeah, that's interesting. So initially when we when we, when I saw the site, Brian, the the the, the fact site talking mm-hmm. about extreme ironing, I thought for sure this was fake news. And it looks kind of like it. It did look very sketchy. But and it you still fact does. It. Uh, yeah, we did. We checked two sources. Uh, so we're good. It's an elaborate hoax uh, by some bots. If it isn't true, if, if it true. isn't true, so that's true. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, thanks to <clears throat> Zombie Zombie Cat Bacon for posting that. Um, and what is next, Glenn? Uh, Brian, the next article is it, it touched me deeply, and this I is really want to. Th- yeah, and I really want to thank the member who posted it. Um, I feel like. This is one of those members that goes underappreciated often, you know, kind of behind the scenes guy, but um, every now and again just, you know, awes us with something, you know, really poignant and uplifting. And yeah. that member is uh, me. Right. Um, and this article is from the Irish Times. It's titled Chuck Feeney, the billionaire who gave it all away. And the article is about, in fact, a philanthropist named Chuck Feeney who. Made $8 billion on the company that he co-founded, Duty Free Shoppers. I don't know much about this company, but he founded it in the 60s. And I'm assuming it has to deal with buying duty-free goods at airports and such. Maybe. Not a very creative name. Nope. That's the- <laughs> but it was the 60s, you know. Yeah. Free love and all that. Anyway, yeah. free shopping. Duty free. free. Shopping. Yeah, duty free. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> duty free love. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, so he amassed a large amount of wealth in about 20 years. And he yeah. decided in 1984 that he and his wife, uh, after they had accrued about $8 billion, they were going to fly to the Bahamas in a in duty-free fashion <laughs> to avoid some tax uh, scrutiny. Scrut- scrutiny. Tax scrutiny, Brian. This just sounds really... Sh- when I was reading this, it, yeah. it sounds really shady. It's like, like he formed a tax shelter. It was him and his wife and his lawyer went to the Bahamas. Right. To rented, a, like, rented a room yeah. in a, yeah. a, like a, a small room in a hotel, yeah. signed a bunch of paperwork, and he flew out. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty normal if you're if you're building like a tax shelter to, you know, <laughs> save a bunch of money on taxes mm-hmm. if you're a billionaire. But no, he did the opposite. If you're Apple. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> he, <clears throat> Mr. Feeney... I think he also played on uh, Boy Meets World. <laughs> Mr. Feeney um, signed those papers to give away his $8 billion. and To create a foundation to, to give away. R- exactly. Yeah. And the foundation, and, and the whole thing was done anonymously. Mm-hmm. And it was so anonymous, in fact, that Forbes kept thinking year after year that he was one of the most, you know, one of the, most rich, one of the richest people in the world. Um, because he was still buying property and right. amassing wealth, but it wasn't for him. It, it was, was for this foundation. So exactly, and so anyway, the article the article is kind of long, and it goes on to talk about the mindset of why the Feenies did this, um, heavily influenced by Carnegie and sorry Carnegie Carnegie really Carnegie 
I didn't know this whole time. Yeah. Wow. Learn something new every day, Brian. Yeah. Every podcast, learn something new. That's right. Uh, yeah, the Car- the Carnegie uh, mindset. And also, he's uh, Irish-American and grew up in, uh, I think, New Jersey, right? Yeah, he grew up in America, but... Right, but kind of a tough, like, you know, blue-collar area. And he- his mom was a nurse. And anyway, it's just interesting to hear the antidote to the person interviewing him because... Um, he's talking about how he's wearing this sweater with like a hole in the sleeve, yeah. and uh, you know has no trophies, has no like pictures of any. You know, oftentimes famous people have pictures with other famous people, or yeah. maybe more famous than them. And yeah, anyway, he's not yeah. shaking hands with the president or anything like that. It's just he's got this little flat in San Francisco, which I guess is worth probably a billion dollars right now, given the San Francisco housing market. Well, he's renting it, so oh, okay, yeah, he doesn't. But okay. uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, he he gave this stuff away. Would nineteen eighty four? So he would have yeah. been. Um, Gosh, he would have been, I think, in his like mid fifties by this point. So yeah, um, still had plenty of life ahead of him, and probably just made sure he had enough money to live on, and then called it a day. Uh, so that's pretty cool. It's uh, pretty interesting to hear stuff like this. You know, uh, Bill Gates is another this, one of these guys that amasses a huge fortune and spends his time most of the time trying to work on giving it away now. Right. And uh, I know that a lot of other very wealthy people give money to Bill Gates because Bill Gates' full-time job is basically figuring out who should get what money. Um, right. And he's a really smart dude. Yeah. So um, that's pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah, uh, a really great story. It makes you feel better about uh, humanity. Than there, you, you, we always hear about the 1%, you know, that has all the right. all the wealth, and then it's good to see somebody that uh, recognizes um, that it's it's a good feeling to, to give back and... and Eight billion dollars. Eight billion dollars. It's a lot of with a B. Not too, not too, not too shabby. It's a good day at the office. Yeah, it is. Uh, well, anyway, Mr. Chuck Feeney, uh, interesting guy. So check out if you want to check out more about this article. Um, stop over by podcast.gentleman.com and I'll link it up, and uh, you can read about Mr. Chuck Feeney. I like that we've been uh, highlighting these these characters last week or last podcast. It was the. Uh, Sriracha guy. Now he didn't yeah. give away things, but to right. charities well, or anything like that. Not yet. He gave away a beautiful hot sauce. That's true. For to only humanity. Se- for less than seven dollars a bottle. That's right. Guaranteed. But the concept of uh, a, a person who's insanely rich but doing the right thing with their money, yeah. and not being a greedy a hole about it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Got to be really grounded, I guess. Uh, yeah, grounded billionaires. Okay, I know well, I would be a greedy a hole. Well, I do too. <laughs> I know that you would be. Um, yeah. Okay, Glenn. Well, uh, that brings us to one more. One more for the road. Mm. <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, can't get Sinatra out of my head now. Uh, that's how I'm feeling right now. Um, <clears throat> anyway, Glenn. I did it my <laughs> way. This is called Lawrence Public Library makes it to the final four in national online contest. Uh, so we're in a lovely town called Lawrence, Kansas. Mm. And you and I right now are living in this lovely town called Lawrence, Kansas. Together. Together. Well, <laughs> we live in the same town. That's as far as we've gotten so far. Well, so uh, far. Anyway. Anyway, uh, Lawrence Public Library is a... This is hard to explain to people that don't live in Lawrence. We have this public library, and it used to be like a third of the size that it is. 
And now we, we, as a community, came together and invested in it. And it's a little strange because a lot of people say, well, libraries are going away and, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. But it's not only about the books. It's also about we. There, there's lots of areas in the in the library for people to work mm-hmm. and collaborate. And there's a recording studio in there. There's like an actual legit recording studio. A legit professional style recording studio. Uh, so they really thought outside the box on this thing and made it a wonderful library. Now the books are awesome. I use it yeah. for books and stuff like that. But. I know people that work there all the time, um, and all you have to do is use your library card to rent it. If you want to get in the recording studio, you just use your library card. Uh, so they've done a really good job of uh, you know, making it a great community resource for creative people. There's some film stuff in there. There's sound. I mean, art installations. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. So anyway. Beautiful space. It's one of the best, I would say, one of the best libraries in the country. Maybe and the world. Maybe the, maybe the world. And uh, they're trying to win some contest here, and it's the, you know, quote-unquote final four. And I was all into this thinking, oh, this is great. They're, they're on the finalists and the last four in the country for this top award for libraries. And it turns out it's just an online contest. Brian. That is... Not just A. It's won by people voting on it. Yep. And so... Um, so anyway. Which is smart. We should have thought of this. Yeah. Uh, to get people to, well, I don't know. What could they vote on, Brian? The best website in the world. Well, that's that's easy. I mean. That's true. That would that would not be a tough sell. Uh, well, anyway. Uh, yes. And it, this award is the Leslie B. Nope Award, which is, Leslie Nope is a character on Parks and Rec, which is funny because uh, Leslie Nope, her character, Leslie Nope, Hates libraries. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's very tongue in cheek. So actually, this may be, uh, they may be trolling us, Brian. I hadn't thought it, about that until just now. It, it, it might be. Uh, it's all based on email signups and. It says engaging local market government. Wait. This is organized by the Engaging Local Government Leaders Organization in West Lynn, Oregon. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, well, anyway, I, I'm hopeful that the uh, Lawrence Library walks away with the national championship. Yeah. In libraries. It's been a while. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Well. They've got those Helms championship banners up in the in library. The, in the library? <laughs> yeah, really? we gotta got to get those William down. Allen White Helms yeah. Awards. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this, was, uh, this is an article by the local fish rapper, Brian, the, the LJ World. Never heard of it. Uh, well, I hear it's something. Yeah. Um, but not to us. No, not to us, Glenn. Not to us. Okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time for the uh, toast this week, Glenn. And uh, so soon. So soon. You know, I was I was trying to go through and look for somebody to toast this week, and I always spend a lot of time doing that. You know, just going to various places, and I kept running into stuff from the Oscars. And I don't know about you, but I've never ever had it in my mind that the Oscars was worthy of a second of my time to check out. <laughs> I think I've watched like five minutes of one. It seems like every year this comes around and I get I, I go anywhere on the internet. I think I went to ESPN they were talking about the mm-hmm. Oscars. It's like, I I don't know. I, I don't understand the phenomenon. But um, I did find somebody that has nothing to do with the Oscars, except I do have a parallel that I wanted to draw between the two of them. And okay. uh, this guy is is named Russ Solomon and Russ Solomon is somebody you may or may not have heard of but Russ Solomon is famous for starting the legendary Tower Records uh, and unfortunately Mr. Solomon passed away at the ripe old age of 92 hmm. uh, and the reason why I brought up the, the Oscars actually was because according to his son Michael Solomon who told the Sacramento Bee on Monday 
his father died in an apparent of an apparent heart attack on Sunday evening while watching the Oscar Awards <laughs> uh, and enjoying a glass of whiskey. That's that's the way to go, Brian. I have to say, Glenn, if I'm 92 years old, that's right, and I'm sitting on my couch enjoying a enjoyable television program, mm-hmm. it probably won't be the Oscars. But whose line is it anyway? Yeah, that- uh, you know, <laughs> who wants to be a millionaire? Right. Um, <laughs> then I will. I, I'm, drink, I'm drinking a glass of whiskey at mm. 92 years old. Small I feel pretty good dead. about that. I yeah. feel pretty good about it. So anyway, uh, Mr. Solomon started Tower Records. As an offshoot of his dad's drugstore, and he built it in he built it into a really uh, iconic chain of record stores. Record stores that you and I will remember, uh, and younger generations probably won't recall because yes. there's no more record stores anymore. Uh, That's where you, wait, and is that where you buy physical actual That's records? Where you buy Brian? Physical actual records, but like unfortunately, CDs? for for the most part, they're they've gone the way of the the dinosaur, but. Uh, Mr. Solomon believed there was there was something to it, and uh, in fact, uh, even Bruce Springsteen agreed with him. The boss, the boss, uh, as he said in "All Things Must Pass," which was the 2015 documentary about Tower Records. Mr. Springsteen is quoted as saying, "If you came into town, you went to Tower Records. It was the place to be. That's where you went. That's if you were into music, you'd be at a Tower Records." Uh, and anyway, Glenn, it, this, so this uh, Tower Records went on to inspire chains like HMV and Virgin Records, uh, which has, I was I was telling you about earlier, that has this, every time you used to go to New York, there was this Virgin Megastore yeah. uh, in Times Square. It was a multi-story, huge affair, but you could get anything that you wanted to. I would get you know, CDs or records that I've been looking for that I couldn't get here, that I'd have mm-hmm. to order or something like that. You'd walk in there and you'd just find them there. Uh, and it was a really cool experience of uh, discovery and, you know, finding things that you've been looking for. Uh, and that, that kind of doesn't exist anymore. We still have one local record store here, but, do. you know, everything else has kind of gone away. So, uh, so anyway, uh, but uh, Mr. Solomon was able to be very successful with it. And unfortunately, in the mid-2000s, uh, kind of bad timing. I mean, he, he built it in this huge empire. Uh, but just as it was peaking, uh, digital music came along, NAFTA yep. came along, and really he was trying to fight with Target and Walmart, and they were offering huge discounts that he couldn't match. Right. There's just a lot of forces that came together uh, to to marginalize uh, Tower Records. But the thing about Tower Records that Target doesn't have is the community, like the Right, the cool vibe about the place, the, the you know talking to the clerk and the things that you find from doing that, you know, and stuff like that. So, anyway, kind of a sad, sad deal. But um, he did a heck of a job while he was while he was rolling with it. So, must not be that bad. So, Brian, have you you ha- have you seen the movie Empire Records? Unfortunately, I believe <laughs> I have spent a portion of my life. A very yep. small, a tiny portion mm-hmm. of my life mm-hmm. watching that movie, and yep. I'm very sad that that was the case. Yes. I'm with you. Uh, it's my wife's uh, – I think she was in junior high when she caught hold of this thing, and like she and her friends like watched it over and over and over. And so it's like one of her nostalgic movies, right? Um, and so, I get that. Uh, unfortunately, I get that. it's one yeah. of you know the movies that I have to every now and again have to suffer through. Right. Um, but I always think of it's Tower like Records. Yeah. <laughs> It's nostalgic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Six years old. <laughs> <Ugh>. um, <laughs> anyway, 
So Empire Records was actually written by a former employee of Tower Records. Oh, interesting. Store number 166, hmm. Christown Mall in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I had no idea. So anyway, the the basically they were... In, I'm looking at a Wikipedia article right now, but they're saying that um, that a lot of the anecdotes from the movie were related to the store. That's particular Tower Records in uh, Arizona. Hmm. And anyway, the store closed 10 years after the film was released. Oh, Probably wow. because of the film and how terrible it was. I would blame the film. Yeah. Yeah. I still blame the film for lots of things. I mean, I've never... I stubbed my toe today and I was like, Tower God, Records! Empire Records! <laughs> Empire Records! Yeah. Yeah, I... Uh, Tyler. Man... I I this is we're really going down a rabbit trail now, but I have never been a fan of Renee Zellweger. Oh, right. I just I forgot that. Can't, yeah, I forgot she was even in that. I don't know what it is. Mm. I just have never. I, I, I anyway. I I that's I, I hope she, I, Renee. I know you're listening. Definitely. Um, but you you know fan. we love you. I'm a, a huge, huge fan, fan, but I don't like your movies. And I don't think you're very good at your job. Well, that's not true. I'm a you're a big Jerry Maguire fan. I don't know. Actually, that's not true. All right, all right. That was her one shining moment. Shut up. That's a hell of a movie. You had me at hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Glenn. Come on. Wow. Mm. I, I'm I Renee. Look, I'm I'm appalled by this, just like you are. This Show is, me the money. <laughs> this is shocking to me. Show me the records. <laughs> anyway, Glenn, let's talk about Russ Solomon. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> enough about Renee Zellweger. Yes, um, I would like to test, uh, toast Mr. Russ Solomon to Russ, a legendary, a visionary, a visionary, a legendary visionary. Okay, Glenn. Well, that means it is time for the uh, hot body topic. Uh, and this week, Glenn. Uh, there is there in the news lately. There's been a little bit of an FBI investigation relating to college basketball. Apparently, uh, some of the most well-known programs some. that have gotten top recruits in the last three years are uh, on federal documents and wiretaps of paying players. It's getting um, ugly. It's getting ugly. It's getting ugly out there, but. Uh, the NBA has stepped in mm. and said, okay, guys, we got this. Uh, we're going to get rid of this one-and-done rule, this stinking one-and-done rule that's just so unfair to athletes, to student-athletes, to athletes, not student-athletes, to <laughs> athletes in general. It's very unfair. Uh, terrible rule, and we're going to get rid of it. And we got the plan <clears throat> on how to deal with it, Glenn. Yeah. So... Mm. One and done rule. Is it a good take. thing or a bad thing? Well, Brian, um, one and done rule. Where do I begin? Look, it's the NBA's prerogative to say what age the players should come up at, right? If they yep. say, you know, you can't be 18, that's fine. I think it's un-American, but that's fine. But right. that, that said, Brian, I, I feel like the one and done rule... Sorry. I feel like the one and done rule... Is important to the very fabric of <clears throat> college athletics because, um, you know, you just you just can't you just can't take that talent away from the college game, Brian. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. It would diminish the. It would diminish 
the 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 madness of March. Well, <laughs> yes, Brian. Um, I I feel like there's a lot, and plus plus, why would you deprive these uh, college athletes from a year of you know being a being a, a scholar, right? Scholarly pursuits, mm-hmm. uh, learning about themselves, learning about culture, right. Um, right, you know, it's an important time. It is an important. It's it's yeah. a formative time in a young mm. man's life. Yeah, and I feel like the NBA trying to take that away is just. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm just not on board with that. Well, Glenn, you're <clears> wrong. <throat> the one and done rule has to go. It has oh. to go. Oh, it's got to go. It's okay. got to go. Look, there. These agents and shoe companies are colluding. To pay these players, I mean, this is this is how far we've come. Where this beautiful game, amateur college basketball, amateur college basketball, is being tainted by these companies that are coming in and paying some players. Some schools are getting a little bit of a that's true edge, mm-hmm. an unfair edge, yeah, uh, on other schools. And look, here's the thing: if they want to be pro. They should just go pro. They shouldn't have to go through a year of college basketball before they go to the NBA. I mean, look, we're depriving these kids of a full year of NBA salary. You know what I mean? Like, some of the most elite players are losing out on a lot of money because of this rule. Hmm. What if they go to college and they get injured? Well. For for a year. What if they get injured and then they can't go make that, that contract? Hmm. Well, I would say that they could have gone to Europe to play professionally because they allow underage players there. Uh, let me let me tell you a little story, Brian, okay. of a KU yeah. basketball player named Sviatoslav Mikhailuk, who goes by the name of Svi. Mm. Uh, Svi yeah. for three yeah. because he's a prolific three-point shooter. Um, and um, Prolific in attempts? And prolific in percentage, Brian. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I actually do think he shoots 45, something like that. Anyway, regardless, Sviatoslav. Uh, Glenn makes up facts sometimes. Forgoes the European Basketball Professional League. What are they called? Uh, European Basketball League. To come to a renowned, to play for a Hall of Fame coach. Right. At a university right. that started the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, Didn't start the game of basketball with the founder. Let's not of basketball uh, play uh, coaching at the university. The guy who started basketball coached the. Look, Brian, you can shake your head. <laughs> this is a fact. <laughs> James Naismith, James Naismith, coach did, did coach. at Kansas University and the YMCA in Iowa or wherever he was at. Before. Uh, Springfield, Illinois. Springfield, Illinois. Yeah. No, no. Springfield. Uh, sorry. Uh, and then Baker, Springfield, Massachusetts. There and we then go. Baker University. Yeah. Was he at Baker? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes, but 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 KU is where he you know called. He said, you know what? This is the only place for me, right. and I I made basketball. It shall, it shall start from here henceforth. The worst basketball coach ever at KU, which is saying a lot. Uh, saying a lot, Brian. Anyway, two Hall of Fame coaches were the last two coaches, so. So what does this have to do with one and done? Anyway, my point, Brian, my point is is that you can go straight and make your money, or you can take the smart route, have a college experience, and you know get tutelage underneath a Hall of Fame coach and play against uh, pretty salty competitors in the Big 12. Let me tell you something, Glenn. 
uh, Speed McKayluk came here, and I don't know if his draft stock's any higher than it was from the day he set foot on campus as a 17-year-old freshman. Well, I believe he's a late second rounder. Hang on. Hang on. a late second rounder, and I think, I think he was getting projected as a fringe second rounder he, when he came to KU. He came here as a 16-year-old kid. He had to learn. He's getting younger already. Yeah. <laughs> My point, Brian, is that the NBA cannot dictate. They can't be take, They can't be depriving college athletes. Yeah, plus, they're selling a dream, Brian. There's only a handful. How many? Uh, what's the odds of uh, a basketball player making the NBA? It's like getting struck by lightning twice. twice. <laughs> <laughs> Not once. Twice. twice. Uh, uh, yeah, we. I, that's true. one in five hundred. That's true, Glenn. That's very anyway. true. Yeah. Well, um, I have to say, I, I am just sick over. I'm just heart sick over this beautiful sport that my beloved University of Kansas State has been a huge part of over the years. Huge part it certainly has has had a storied basketball tradition of its own. Yeah, and it's true. Um, we've always done it right, the right way. The clean way, Glenn. It's not always the popular way. Doesn't always get you the one and dones. You got their uh, pockets open looking for hundred dollar handshakes, <clears throat> but uh, we do it the right way. And so you know, sometimes the uh, chickens come home to roost, and uh, they, they they're coming do. home. They certainly do. They're flying in, mm-hmm. and they're landing on. <laughs> <laughs> where, where, are landing, Brian? where are they landing, Where are people's doorsteps? They're not landing Bill anywhere around. No, Bill they're, not. Doorstep. they're not landing around here. It's like the birds. No, they're flying the in. The movie, The Birds, it's taking like their flag. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're. <laughs> he's in a phone booth. <laughs> hey, Bill has done nothing wrong. You I'm take not, that back. I'm not. I'm not saying he has. But but he has. <laughs> I'm saying he has. <laughs> There's no way. That's my coach, my no, captain. That's all, that's all hearsay. No one knows that for sure. Until more stuff comes out, until we have hard, evi- hard evidence. Let's go wiretapping between him and... It's really interesting, the whole uh, Arizona thing. Yeah. Sean Miller, uh, you have a journalistic report that came out. And th- by the way, those guys are resolute about the fact that they are right on about what they're talking about. Right. And they've been right before. They have a good track yeah. record with this stuff. And then you have Sean Miller coming out saying, I absolutely didn't do any of this stuff. So right. it's like, who's going to come out to be right here? Somebody's going to have to... There's a reckoning. There, yeah. Somebody's telling the truth. I'm pretty sure if I was Sean Miller, though, it would be like, you know what, guys? Yeah, I did it. No, yeah. but... <laughs> I mean, that's true. Yeah, but I guess, I guess if there's a wiretap, like, that's pretty it's irrefutable. Pretty tough, it's pretty tough to come out and say, I didn't do any of this stuff. And then have a recording come out where you're like, yeah, pay him the money. You know? Yeah, this is Sean Miller. M I L L E R. My bank account is 371. No, 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 no. The one in Zurich. The one in Zurich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like there's a pa- like a weird, obscure paper trail between coaches and everything. Right. With him, it's a wiretap. Yeah. Like his voice know. recorded telling someone to pay them $100,000. Yeah. I don't know. The thing is, there are two separate issues. The thing that makes me nervous about the NBA getting involved is that I'm, I'm concerned that the NBA is just wanting to get these top players and get them into their system because now they have like a whole thing around the whole deal. Like They have the G League now. Yeah. They have the ability to kind of have the facility to take these players, and they know they're worth money. Like They know if they get into them early, then that's more 
that's more revenue. That's more opportunities for yep. them to do, you know, more agent stuff, more shoe stuff, more, you know, more revenue. So it's like a, you know, when you're Starbucks and you start serving breakfast, you right. know, this is like the NBA and they need to find some more revenue streams. That's um, true. We got these high school players. Let's go. And what a perfect time. There's all this controversy in college basketball. So Yeah, it's interesting because uh, the the thing that the NBA is, they're pretty bad at historically. And it's a hard thing to do, but they're bad at gauging talent. Um, jumping oh. from yeah. college, I mean, even from college to the pros, but definitely from high school to the pros. I mean, there's a couple outliers. You have Kevin Garnett. You have LeBron James, and then you have maybe like one or two other players who went straight from high school to the NBA. Yeah, and so the re- I, I, and then so after they did that rule, I, I, I this isn't I heard this on talk radio, so I <clears throat> it's fresh in my mind. But yeah, the uh, the whole they had a, um, in the early two thousands, there was like five years or so where they the top ten picks, eight of them were foreign players. Yeah. They were like unproven commodities. You didn't even right. know who they were. Like some center from, you know, right. Serbia. It's probably like all based on uh, measurements. and Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Like, oh, he's seven foot and he can run this fast and jump like this. And like nine times out of ten, they'd flame out. And yeah. so I think it was a way of like them to, to to cover their losses, hedge their bets, and be like, oh, okay. <laughs> we're going to yeah. let them play at least yeah. one year in college. Yeah. Well, and the problem with it, you know, with, with the one-and-done thing is, like, you see Duke, you see, to an extent, KU, but not as much. Like, Kentucky's all all in on the mm-hmm. one-and-dones. Duke's gone that way now. Yeah. Self usually gets one or two guys. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, maybe one. He's. I think he has more of the philosophy of getting some older players and mix them in with one or two NBA guys that are going to be one-and-dones if he can. Um, but the problem with it is when you watch a Duke now or you watch a – I was watching something about. Uh, oh, I was watching something about uh, Kentucky mm-hmm. when Patino was there, and they were on probation. <laughs> and uh, Duke, like I didn't realize this, but that classic Christian Leitner shot, yeah. last second one, was a victory over Duke or over Kentucky in the tournament. Uh, and they were that close to to beating Duke that year. It was down to two seconds. Leitner beats them, but you always see the shot, and you don't think about who the other team is. Well, it's Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what was interesting about those old teams, they showed the Duke and Kentucky game back in the day, and it was like the Kentucky team was made up of, they had they'd gotten in trouble for doing something or whatever, but they they were two years removed from serious, like from serious, they couldn't go to postseason, they couldn't, you know, all these stipulations. So they had a team full of like guys that stuck around that weren't one and dones. They had like one NBA player on their team, and it was all, the rest of them were all, Guys that stuck around there could have transferred, but they didn't. So yeah, you get the point is you get a team full of people that are seniors, and then you look at the Duke back in the day, Leitner and all those yeah. guys were all Bobby Hurley. Yeah, they were you know they like time tested and been in the system for a while and all yeah. this stuff. And I just I mean some of those games it seems like they were better you know yeah than than we get now like yeah it's kind of like a junior NBA team now and that's cool and everything but I don't know it see it seems like. <clears throat> I, I would much rather have guys that are really experienced because like, it just seems like it's a better game when the when you got a bunch of seniors out there rolling. I don't know. And and it bring I feel like it brings more. Uh, <laughs> we're both coming to the same conclusion here, even though we start on different sides. That's right? not true. Glenn. That's not true. Uh, the one and done rule has to go. <laughs> has to be done. I 
I don't know. When you have four years to like learn about somebody and like watch them for four years, yeah. like you become so attached to them. Big fans of them. Yeah. Like, like Frank Mason last year. Like, right. oh, it was a gr- it was great. It was yeah. just like, oh man, I miss that guy so much. And yeah. just watching him grow and, yeah. and improve. I don't know. Yeah. It's just part of the sport. I think that you lose when you have guys that are there because they have to be there. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, which is why I'm four. Having the, the one and done, the rule. one and done, rule. right? Okay, well, we'll have to agree to disagree this time, Glenn. Um, but anyway, that's fine. Uh, you can have your opinion; I'll have mine, and okay. we'll address a different issue next time. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to agree to get, disagree on this. We'll one. probably on opposite side of that one too. That could be point counterpoint. Mm-hmm. Me and Glenn. It's like crossfire. Yeah. Okay, Glenn. Well, uh, speaking of basketball, for the final segment, it's March Madness. Oh, man. Uh, it's uh, time for questions from the gentleman mailbag, Glenn. <sighs> and uh, this week, look, it's championship week. This is Big 12 <laughs> tournament time mm. for you and me. Mm-hmm. At wherever everybody else is, I'm sure you got Pac-10. your... Pac-10. Pac-10 SEC. Whack. <laughs> the whack. <laughs> Conference USA. Big East. I'm a big UTSA fan, but... Right. Uh, right. Anyway, uh, the point is, Glenn, we're, we're in Big 12 country here. Yeah. And uh, we've got a Big 12 tournament going on here right now as we speak. Yep. A stone's throw away in beautiful Kansas City. Beautiful Kansas City at Sprint uh, Center. Missouri. Um, uh, Ugly Kansas City, Missouri. Um, (laughs) Anyway, Glenn, so my question for you is what's your your prognostication Hmm. on the Big 12 tournament? This is interesting because the Big 12 nationally, and I think most people agree, from top to bottom is seen as the most balanced conference. Maybe not the best conference. Right. But analytically from top to bottom, yep. the teams are very close. So basically anyone can win this tournament. That's true. Um, I think as of uh, earlier in the week, uh, Joe Lenardi, Joey Buckets. Joey Brackets. Joey Brackets. <laughs> Joey Buckets Joey Buckets. Joe McDermott, right? Or uh, who am I thinking of? <laughs> not Joe McDermott. Joe McDermott. Which was Creighton kid? Greg, Bob. Anyway, <laughs> Joy Brackets <laughs> has, uh, is it nine? Nine teams? Eight. Eight teams. Eight teams. Eight of the ten teams. 80% yeah. of the conference. Yeah. If it ended on Tuesday. Yeah. But here's the thing. in the week. It could be nine. It could be seven. Because if if, if one of the That's teams true. in the first day goes on a run. Yep. That, it, you know, Oklahoma State goes on like a run. Like tonight. Yeah, Oklahoma State goes on a run. <laughs> then, uh, or, you know... Texas. Goes on a run. Right. Then, I mean... Right. Who knows? They could make the tournament. And, you know, mm. so... So it's crazy. So, so, are you asking me who my pick is to win it all? Win the, win the whole shebang. The Big 12. Look, I don't even... I, look, for me, I don't care about... The big dance. I think the big dance is in Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> All right, and it's between right. uh, nine, eight teams. Right? No, everybody goes. Everybody goes. Everybody plays. It's between ten teams in the Big Twelve. Yeah, figure that out. Yeah. Um, so you got a ten percent chance of being right. Oh, I got more than ten percent chance, Brian. <laughs> I'd say ninety. Ninety-five percent <laughs> chance. So. Here's what I think, Brian. Yeah. Okay. Give me your breakdown. And this is this is going to surprise you. Big 12 you. breakdown. This is going to surprise you. Okay. Because I think you feel like I'm just going to pick KU because no, I'm I a know. KU fan. That would be stupid. All right? And I will tell you this. I'm going to pick KU because, 
Not because I'm a KU fan, but because because it seems like whenever there's a situation like this, there's oh, there's all this parody, and oh, it's so even across the board, and it's anybody's game. Whenever that happens, mm. the big dogs rise to the top, and the number one seed is Kansas. So take to the bank, Kansas, all the way. Plus, they just got a nasty win out of the system. A nasty loss. <laughs> Sorry. A nest. Yes, it wasn't a nasty win. I take a nasty win though. Uh, a ne- <laughs> Yeah. Well, let me tell you. Uh, let me tell you why. What I know for a fact. KU is not winning this freaking tournament. I can guarantee you. I you take that to the bank. Uh, oh, I can promise you that. All right. And uh, and here's why, Glenn. Okay. Okay. Oh. Get up to Kansas City. Yep. It starts to edge towards March Madness time. The home field advantage starts to disappear a little bit, just ten or fifteen percent. Just a little, just a little sprinkling of less of a home field advantage, and things get a little scary. Iowa State because they travel know, well. Uh, when the tournaments start happening, and you're not getting the calls, and you know things start going against your your way, people get a little freaked. So, what's going to happen? K-State's going to win the first round. They're going to play KU. They're going to beat KU. Okay. okay. This is not... Sorry. That would be uh, the... I don't know what the name of it is. It's because uh, KU and K-State are both... Both have a bye for the yep. first day. Yep. So, second day, K-State plays TCU. KU plays whoever wins the the 9-10 game. So, Oklahoma State or Oklahoma, Oklahoma. I believe. Oklahoma. Yeah. So... Ooh. In-state showdown. KU's going to play Oklahoma State. KU's going to beat Oklahoma State because Oklahoma State swept them during the year. Right? K-State's going to win. We're going to play KU. We're going to beat KU Mm -hmm. because KU swept us Mm -hmm. during the year. Okay. We're going to get to the Big 12 championship, but we're not going to win. Okay. Okay? Okay. Who's going to win, Brian? Who's going to win? I'm glad you asked, Lynn. (laughs) (sighs) Who's going to win? Who could it be, Glenn? Who could it be? Who could it be? It could be anyone. <clears throat> I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick somebody that's off the wall, crazy here to win this thing. Okay, so let's. Okay, let's envision this. Okay, so okay. Uh, Oklahoma State beats or KU beats Oklahoma State. K State beats uh, KU. KU's out. K State's in for the championship game, but they lose to an upstart Baylor team. I knew it was gonna be Baylor. I knew it. Baylor, they this year, always do it. They always seem to turn it on. I think you know I, we we just beat Baylor. We beat them pretty good, but I feel like they they get to Kansas City in that championship game. They're going to have revenge on their minds, and they're going to be desperate to make a statement to get in, into the uh, definitely. I mean, if they make it a championship game, they'll probably be in. Yep, they're going to want to get that game. Yep, and I feel like K State after beating KU. Will be they'll, they'll be into the championship, but they just put everything into beating KU the day before that game. Gave it everything they That's have. True, emptied the tank. Emptied the tank, and they're going to show up in that championship game and be gassed. Brian, that's a that's a pretty that's a bold scenario, but I could see it playing out that way. I think it could. <clears throat> I think it could too. I like the Baylor component because for whatever reason, here's how here's how Baylor in a nutshell works. Baylor yes. basketball. Before season, you know, preseason, lots of hype. Got yep. all this talent. Yep. You know, uh, Dallas area recruits, Bryce Drew, yeah. going to get it done. Yeah. They play 
you know, preseason, oh, man, Baylor looks great. Yeah. And they're not the conference. They're looking great. Then they get the Big good. 12, and they crap themselves. For half the, the first half of the schedule. And then they'll pull out some amazing wins, but they'll still be, you know, middling of the pack. And then we get to the Big 12 tournament, and yeah. then they turn it on. Right. And then everybody's like, oh, there's Baylor. There's the Baylor we yeah. thought was happening. And then they yeah. go into the, the tournament, and then they crap themselves again. Yeah. With the exception of, I think, was it last year they made the Sweet 16? Sometimes they, they, they're able to do stuff in the tournament. They just, I don't know what it is about Baylor. They're a very strange team. They have just, so much talent. Yeah. It just seems like they take a break, like halfway through the season, and they're like, oh, I guess we should get back to playing hard again. And then it's like all of a sudden they're, they're I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> anyway, so point is, I'm picking Baylor to win the whole thing. I think K-State knocks KU out, but <clears throat> I think, um, look, you know. If that happens, Brian, KU will be happy for the rest. Going right. into the... Uh, the big dance. Yeah, big well, they dance. will be a number one seed. Yep. Well, I, seriously, they're going to be a number one seed. I think if they lose the first round game, then they'll be like, mm. it depends on how Duke does. Duke's right there. They're so here's the thing. Heels. Here's the thing. The NCAA. Now we're getting down the weeds of things, but at this point, nobody's listening. So who cares? Yeah. The NCAA has come out with a yeah. I've a, seen it. The, okay, the guidelines, right? right. Which is like yeah. we are going to judge on yep. some things, and here's one of the things. Mm-hmm. And it's quality wins. Is that what? What, what are the uh, quadrants? Yeah, the quadrants, right? right. But it's a, the, the, how many quadrant? How how many quality wins you have based on quadrants? So it's quadrant yeah. one through yep. quadrant four. Yep. And KU has like ten quadrant wins, which is twice as much as the next team. Yeah. Number one seed. They could. They could. Yeah, but. Yeah, I don't think that's the only criteria they're using to... to nope, that's the only one. <laughs> that's the only one. That's the one they said they're going to use. If K- no take backs. K-State knocks out KU and Duke wins the ACC tournament, I feel like they're going to they're gonna have some doubt in their mind about that fourth number one seed. Please. Quadrant wins. It's but so it's important. hard to say. So important. If the fourth number one is better than the first number two seed. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Because the matchup's... Uh, start to get into interesting territories around there. This I is mean, the be- this is this is the best part of March Madness because no matter what guidelines they say they're going to judge by, no matter what, there's always going to be a head scratcher. There's going to be something because yeah. you can't quantify yeah. everything of yeah. 64 teams. Yeah, well, uh, it's so arbitrary. What's interesting is let's see. Okay, so Missouri is projected as an eight nine right yeah. now, and uh, Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, and. That would be the that would be against the number one seed. So if they oh, they yeah. stick Missouri as against Kansas as the number one, the eight nine game Missouri, and then the you know against the one seed in the second rounds, and uh, my you know Michael Port Michael Port Jr. comes comes roaring back. I'm not worried. KU already beat Missouri already once this preseason, so it's a close game. Well. Preseason. It was preseason. <laughs> well, we're going to see what happens. We're going to see what happens, Glenn. Close we'll only wins in hand grenades and horseshoes, Brian. That's yeah, true. That's true, Glenn. Okay, well, we'll uh, we'll report back on the uh, Big 12 tournament because no one will know what happened unless we tell That's right. them. right. And nobody's going to know because they haven't listened this right. far in the episode. Exactly. Okay, mm-hmm. Glenn. Well, uh, once we uh, renew this uh, podcast in two weeks, uh, March Madness will have already begun. We'll so, be in the thick of it. If I'm yeah. mopey, if yeah. I'm forlorn, we know yeah. KU lost early. That's right. Um, but I can guarantee that I will be unmopey and unforlorn. 
We'll find out about that. <laughs> we'll find out about that. Okay, well, uh, I am Brian McKinney. I'm Glenn Sansbury. Thank you guys for listening to episode 132. We will see you in two weeks for episode number 133 and for more March Madness. Mm. Adios, muchachos.